You're on EducateForLife.com radio with Kevin Conover. And if you listen long enough, your faith will become... I'm tired of being conned. Don't worry, the con is over, Shay. We're now at DEFCON 1. Did you say carnivore or carnivore? Would you like to have a conversation with Kevin? Then call 800-243-9719. And now, here's your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your time and bring your shame. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover, and my website is educateforlife.org. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, the Shack is a book that was published a few years back, and it's, it was published by William Paul Young, and it's an incredible a book that's received a lot of acclaim. Uh, you may think it's infamous, you may think it's fantastic, but it's now sold over more, more than 10 million copies. It's been translated into over 30 languages. It's one of the best-selling paperback books of all time, and many people are very enthusiast, enthusiastic about the fact that the movie opened March 3rd, and it's going to impact a lot of people uh, and the way they think about God, Christianity, and the Bible. Um, some people might think it, it impacts it for good. Some people might think it impacts it for bad. Uh, but in the movie, if you haven't seen it yet, God the Father is depicted as an older black woman. She's referred to as Papa. And uh, so that might throw some people off. It's definitely, uh, you're, you're seeing some new perspectives on how God is depicted. But um, I've heard lots of Christians say, I love it. I love the new insight I get to see here. It really opened my eyes to certain things. And other people say, hey, this is heresy that's being taught here. And I have a, a person on the radio today. He is an apologist, and he's been doing this for a long time. He was also one of my professors up at Biola. His name is Greg Kokel. And I want to tell you a little bit about him. He's spoken on more than 70 college and university campuses, both in the U.S. and abroad. He's hosted his own call-in radio show for 27 years, and uh, the kind of the slogan is Christianity Worth Thinking About. He's debated atheist Michael Shermer on national radio, as well as Deepak Chopra on national television on Lee Strobel's Faith Under Fire. He has uh, authored seven books. He's an award-winning writer and best-selling author. And his most recent book is The Story of Reality, How the World Began how It Ends, and Everything Important That Happens in Between. One of my favorite books he wrote is Tactics, A Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions, which is a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. As well as Relativism, Feet Firmly Planted in Mid-Air. And he has been on Focus on the Family Radio. He's been on CBN, the BBC, and he's been quoted in multiple publications. He received his master's degree in philosophy of religion and ethics at Talbot School of Theology, graduated with high honors, and his master's in Christian apologetics with honors from Simon Greenleaf University. He's also an adjunct professor at Biola University. Greg, thanks so much for being on the show today. Hey, Kevin, I'm really looking forward to your chat, although I get, I, I get a little winded just listening to all of that stuff. <laughs> no wonder I feel tired. <laughs> yeah, I, I want people to know who you are. I want them to, I want them to respect you. So. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, um, so what's, what's the deal here? You know, I, the sh- I thought it was kind of funny that you know, God is depicted as a woman, but then is called Papa. And mm-hmm. I, I thought, is it just a coincidence that this is happening happening when we're having this whole, uh, you know, gender debate about whether yeah. a person can call well, themselves... The, the book was written before the gender debate, yeah. so I think that is coincidental. And if I saw the movie, I didn't read the book, but I saw the movie, and I have some feedback from my own staff who, who reviewed the book. 
And um, if you recall, in the, well, people who see the movie will see that the, the actress who plays um, the father, Papa, in this, is also a woman that was in the life of this main character um, and who had a very sweet influence on that. And so, according to the way the movie goes, God the Father is taking on the form of this woman because of the positive association that the that the man who's the main player I, I can't remember his name um, Sam uh, the actor's name Sam Worth Worth whatever uh, tough guy from <laughs> from uh, Avatar you know that guy yeah um, in any event. Um, uh, she, he had a good experience with her, and so God the Father takes on that form, but later in the movie actually takes on the form of an older Japanese man. So, it, it, so the God the Father takes on different visual forms for the sake of the purpose of the movie. He's not just characterized as a woman, so I have no reason to believe that there's any subcurrent here of gender issues going so there's, on. So there's no conspiracy theory to, to no, uh, get us no. to accept it. <laughs> um, I just think that's... A, an accident, and it, it does make sense. I mean, it is a little jarring. I feel for the rank and file because um, you'd expect a father figure depicted by God. But I, you know, I am not particularly troubled by that, especially when we get the author's char- uh, reason why uh, through the through the voice of the character. Well, that makes why sense. Why yeah. appearing as a woman to that man at that time? Right, I see what you're saying. Now, um, so what about the movie as a whole? And, and the reason I ask you this is because you're the kind of person, uh, this is what you do. You yeah. think about how uh, pop culture impacts the way people think in general and specifically about the way uh, Christians think about reality. I mean, that's what your book is all about, the story right. of reality. Right. That, um, that's correct. So, uh-huh. so do I, you th- I do talk in that book, since it's a book to get, meant to give the big picture of who yeah. God is and who Jesus is and who man is, what the problem is, what the solution is, and how it all ends. Um, I do deal with at least one aspect of the Trinity, and that is Jesus, the God-man, okay? And, um, and the Trinity is depicted in this movie. Um, I think it's fair to say, though, and I want to try to be charitable to the author here. Sure. Um, I think it's fair to say that this book is not about the Trinity. This book is about the problem of suffering. Mm. And, and, and it's about why, or I should say the issue of God allowing tremendous suffering in our lives. And, Which uh, is one of the biggest questions that people ask. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and the reason I said... I, I balked there when I said I was going to answer the question because it doesn't answer the question mm. directly. And in this sense, it is very much like the book of Job. And so you are going to get, I think, a very power in the film, a very fa- powerful depiction of, of, a, of, of, of a tragedy, mm. an unthinkable tragedy that happens in a father's life. And then how he is forced to face the pain of the tragedy uh, given the reality of a good and loving God, mm. and and that I mean that's Job. Yeah, there it is. It's it's and you know well I don't want to give any spoiler. Let me just leave it at that, okay? Because I think that's what it's all about. Now, of course, to depict God, how do you depict God in a film? And yeah, we've got exactly. These movies <laughs> that going back to the John Denver movie, you know, and. And uh, you we know, could picture or, him as a flaming figure, uh, like an Ezekiel or, or something, or, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, there are a lot of popular <laughs> characterizations, and yeah. what you end up having is an individual person in all of those. Whether it was the uh, what was the name, uh, Oh God, or whatever, and then uh, and then the other more recent movie, um, 
and and you you always have an individual. But of course, the problem with showing God as an individual is that he's not a he is a single substance. He mm. is one in a certain sense, individual, but not one individual in another sense. He is one being with three centers of consciousness. So how do you characterize that accurately? So there's a sense in which one could argue that this film is going beyond the other efforts, which represents God in a Unitarian way. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I did not see, you know, when... Uh, oh, God came out with John Denver, and when the, um, I'm trying to think of that other comedian, um, the other film that had to do with the, with the black actor. Oh, well. oh I, you're talking about uh, Bruce Almighty, I believe. Yeah, Bruce Almighty. Yeah. So I don't remember anybody um, complaining that this is a Unitarian uh, characterization. Oh, yeah, we're saying this is heresy. Yeah. This is heresy, <laughs> yeah. but, but it is. Yeah. That's your capture. Well, no, nobody seemed to be concerned about that. So now you've got a Trinitarian characterization, and by golly, there are three different actors. So you've got a woman playing Papa, you have um, a kind of a young Jewish man playing the G- the Word, or the Jesus character. Uh-huh. In, in, uh, almost, uh, he's dark-skinned, he's almost like he could be Middle Eastern, so you can see what's going on there. Yeah. And then you have a, a very sweet and genteel um, Asian woman that is playing the Holy Spirit, and she's got a tremendous softness to her, and there is a, there is a there's a communion between um, all of them. In fact, at one particular point, they say, well, he says, I think something like, which one of you is God then? And they <laughs> all simultaneously say, I am. Oh, that's, that's cool. Which you know, that's clever. You yeah, know, that is. Okay, yeah. You know, you can see what they're trying to do. And yeah. I know we're coming up on, on, on a break in a minute, but we are, yeah. uh, when we come back, I want to, I want to say why I think there's a, there's even a biblical legitimacy for what they're doing. People complain about how the Trinity is characterized there because all these individuals, you know, it's like three gods. Mm -hmm. But um, I have a defense for that. My concern with the film is something entirely different, something I have not heard yet, and I'm not sure if it's played this way in the book, but it is in the film, and I'll be happy to tell you. Okay, when we come back, my guest is Greg Kokel of Stand to Reason, and uh, he is a deep thinker, and he's spent a lot of time Um, just reflecting on the hard questions in Christianity. He recently came out with a book, The Story of Reality, How the World Began, How It Ends, and Everything Important That Happens in Between. I highly recommend it. You can pick it up at str.org. We're going to continue this conversation about The Shack. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. 
What do leading local restaurants have in common? They depend on Express Fix Coffee for new and used coffee and espresso machines, repairs, and affordable monthly service. Dave Martin and his local team provide water filtration services too. Call San Diego's best espresso repair company, serving your home and business. Learn more online at expressfixcoffee.com. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. 619-867-3853. How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 7.30 to 5.30, and Saturdays, 7.30 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. I will cast my cares on you You're the anchor of my hope The only one who's in control Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org. If you haven't uh, didn't get to listen to the first segment of the show, you can pick up a recording of the show on iTunes. You can also get it on my website. And you can also check us out on YouTube. You can uh, get a picture of the studio in here and, and see us talking. Uh, Greg is actually not uh, in the studio with me, but uh, he's uh, relaxing at home. And uh, <laughs> he can do that now. He's, he's achieved enough status. And uh, Greg Kokel, uh, again, if you haven't been tuning in, his, his name is um, uh, very popular within the apolo- apologetics realm. And he's with Stand to Reason. He's the president and founder of Stand to Reason. And... Um, Greg, I love the quote on your your bio that you uh, have here. You put, um, it says, Greg started out thinking he was too smart to become a Christian and ended up giving his life for the defense of the Christian faith. Right. Uh, I'd love to hear the backstory of that. But before we before we get to that, um, we were talking about the shack, and you were talking about how it's almost like you you kind of feel like people should ease up on this um, you know attack on on the movie's depiction of the Trinity simply right. because. Hey, that's that's a supernatural thing that's very hard to to depict, right? Well, this is the problem. How is it? How do you, in any fictional characterization, whether it's a book or whether it's a um, uh, or whether it's a movie, like in this case with the shack, um, how do you how do you depict that? How do you how do you characterize that in a way that's fair? And you're always going to run into one of two problems. You're going to represent God as a unitarian being. That is one person, mm-hmm. one being, one person. And that's what that's what Islam does. That's what um, Judaism you know, does. Yeah, right. It, Jehovah's Witnesses, etc. Uh, okay, and but that's the same way the movie Oh God depicted it, or Bruce Almighty depicted God, yeah. or anything else like that. You have, you have, uh, you have this unitarian. Being. Well, that's not exactly right. Okay, well then, how do we try to depict the Trinity? And there is no possible way 
to make any kind of depiction in fictional, either literature or movies, of characterizing the Trinity without individuating the persons, all right? Which isn't the description that we see in the Bible. It's exactly the description we see in the Bible. The persons are individuated. That's, that's precisely the circumstances. So what you want to do in a depiction like this is you want to depiction, depict the unity of God and also the individuation of the persons, which is what, is what the shack does. Now, I want you to think about this. This is going to set some people back on their heels a little bit. But <laughs> what happens at the baptism of Jesus? At the baptism of Jesus, you have Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, um, being spoken to by the Father, the first person of the Trinity, with the dove hovering over, who is the third person of the Trinity. All the particular persons are distinctly individuated there. Mm. And, 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 but and yet they're I mean, all one. So They are all the same nature, but notice the scene. The scene, the Father is being spoken to, Jesus is down on the crown, and the Spirit is hovering. They are all individuated. So you're, now, you're saying that the depiction in the, in the shack is actually an accurate depiction. Well, I'm saying that it can't be done any other way, mm. and even the Scripture does this. Though the Scripture is clear to, and look, I'm very orthodox on all of these issues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Scripture is clear to, 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 to describe God as an individual being, and later on we see that each of these individuals is fully God, yeah. these individual persons, okay, just to be clear. Yes. Individual centers of consciousness. Three, uh, three persons um, in one nature. Hypostases, uh, to be most specific here, are, are, are fully God, but they are individuated. So... Um, and there we see an individuation of them in the baptism of Christ. And it is the other passages that let us know enough about these individual persons not to confuse them with, trinit- with tritheism, okay? They're not three gods. So, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to give a lot of slack to this movie in this regard, as long as there's a real attempt to try to depict the fullness of the Trinity, and I think there is, as I mentioned earlier, you know, they all say, I am, you know, and yeah, who is yeah. God. And I, it's the best you can possibly do in trying to communicate a um, doctrinally sound characterization of the Trinity, but in a film. And, and the individuation of the persons and, and what uh, theologians call the economic Trinity, that is, the different things that the members of the Trinity do. They have different jobs. The Spirit is the Comforter. You know, Jesus is the Savior. The mm. Father sends the Son, and all, all these different things. So um, we, we see these different characteristics that are unique to the persons in terms of the roles they play, and these are characterized, I think, in a, in a very clever way. I know the author is... Is a is a Christian, you know. He's a yeah. humanitarian. He's not trying to distort anything. And a lot of apologist types, uh, we work hard at trying to cut slice things very thin because we are properly concerned about distortion of important issues. Yeah. But but here, I think my recommendation was let, let's cut the the author and filmmaker a little slack because I think he's doing the best he can with what he's working in the medium he's working with and what he ends up doing turns out to be kind of like the same thing even the scriptures end up doing when they depict the three persons of the Trinity. That's a fantastic analysis. I, so would you say that overall you think that this uh, movie 
you know, is moving Christianity forward in the sense that the people that go and see it, you know, there's going to be people that are that might be agnostic going to see it. There's going to be people that are uh, struggling in their walk with Christ going to see it. Uh, would you say that um, you know overall this movie is going to uh, is going to serve the kingdom of Christ in the sense yeah. that it's, it's? I think there's two problems here. Yeah. One of them is that there are some people are simply going to misread the Trinitarian emphasis. Okay, mm. um, what our, my staff said is when they read the book is look at if you are a well-established Christian with a solid theological foundation, then you can use this particular fictional characterization and draw from it without upsetting the foundation. You could read it in light of an accurate foundation, as I'm trying to do right now. I see what you're saying, yeah. Just like you would read Lewis, okay? Yeah. Just like you would read Lewis, okay? Uh, Like you would read C.S. Lewis is what you're saying? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Okay, I see what you're saying, Sacrificial atonement. And there you've got an individuation of the Son in Aslan, and then there's the Father out there somewhere. No reference to the Spirit, but there is a Father. Hmm. Okay, and notice that, G- that the, the one representing Jesus is, in fact, individuated there. Okay, and nobody has any trouble with that, mm. you know. So I, it, Christians who are solid can read it, and I think gain from it. Non-Christians may read the shack or watch the movie and, and be confused. Okay? okay. And I don't know what to do about that. Yeah. They read the Bible and are confused. This is why you have Jehovah's Witnesses. This is why you have Mormons, you yeah. know. They get confused, and then they read either uh, a Unitarian concept of God and Jesus as a lesser created figure, that's the, that's the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Arians, or you have uh, three individual gods, and that's the Mormons. So you can go in either direction, they're just even reading the Scripture. Yeah, and then the Muslims uh, accuse Christians of being polytheists because... Uh, of the Trinity and so forth. This is right, and they're and that's because they're not listening carefully to us, you know, because we're not. The Mormons are polytheistic, but not classical Christians. The problem, I think, with the, is is something I haven't heard about yet, but maybe it's not so strong in the book, but it is stronger in the uh, in the movie. Is that Jack gives the massive short shrift on the judgment of God? Mm. There is a scene in there where um, where the, the protagonist is asking the question, well, what about, you know, God fierce and mighty and in hellfire and brimstone? And then Papa looks at him like, oh, man, where are you getting that stuff? Uh, uh, yeah, as if it's me. not in the Bible, right? Pardon me? As if it's not in the Bible. Yes, and that is a huge problem. And I actually met the author before I saw the movie. It was a special screening. I did not get a chance to talk to him afterwards, and this is what I would like to ask. That, I think, is the problem. What okay. happened to the judgment of God? Yeah, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that a little bit more. We're coming up on a break here, but I, I think that's, even in American culture, even in American churches, uh, a lot of times it seems like the judgment of God is missing. Yeah. Um, and so my, my guest today is Greg Kokel of Stand to Reason, str.org. Please visit his site. I use his site all the time uh, because he has so many amazing articles on there that answer questions that a lot of times I've come to the site thinking to myself, you know what, I bet there's no answer to this question. And I, I type into the, the search engine, and lo and behold, there's an answer to my question. So I highly recommend it, str.org. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk a little bit more about the, sh- the shack and its depictment of God's uh, it's the depiction of God's love and God's judgment. And how can we have a, a loving God that's also uh, so into judging people? Uh, we're going to be right back. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. 
Hi, this is Kevin Conover. Will you please donate to Educate for Life so we can share the truth of God's word with kids in public schools? You can donate online at donatetoefl.org. The Bible used to be read in public schools on a regular basis prior to the 1960s. But today, most kids are completely clueless when it comes to the content and the historical and scientific accuracy of the Bible. Please help us by donating online at donatetoefl.org. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Hi, I'm Marissa Conover, and I would love to help you buy or sell your home. I've worked as a realtor for more than 13 years, and as a San Diego native, my passion and experience will help make your move as peaceful as can be. Call me at 619-251-1577. That's 619-251-1577. Or visit conoverhomes.com This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to teach you through the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse. One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven? I've never really thought about it, but I've always thought of, you know, doing good. For more information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages. I'm Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. You can pick up a recording of this show as well as um, I have a whole homeschool curriculum on there. It's good for Bible studies too. Um, I'm an apologist. I teach uh, high school apologetics, ap- excuse me, apologetics um, out at Christian High School in um, San Diego. And um, I have a- all kinds of classes on there that answer all the tough questions that people have about God. How do I know God exists? How do I know the Bible is the inspired Word of God, and on and on. And um, today on the show, I have Greg Kokel, uh, uh, who has been all over the world speaking on the, the tough questions that c- people face in trying to um, know Christ or learn about Christ or learn about God, and uh, his website is str.org. And uh, Greg, when we, we left off the last segment, you were saying that you were, you were concerned about uh, the, the lack of, or, or the depiction of judgment in right. the, the movie The Shack. What, what were you saying? Well, I, it's that I, I am not troubled by the Trinitarian depiction. I think we should be charitable there because th- this is the best you can do with any work of fiction in individuating the character persons. And it's the same thing the Bible does, as I mentioned at the baptism yeah. of Jesus, and the same thing that Lewis does when he does the Chronicles of Narnia. Okay, My bigger concern was not that. It does leave open some possibility for non-Christians to be confused, but that's true of the other works as well, even the Bible, indeed. Yeah. But what concerns me is what seems to be a kind of wholesale dismissal of the wrath of God. There is a vicious crime that is committed in this film, uh, and and it is the per- the kind of thing that will set 
it's hard to imagine a more adequate, accurate, or powerful depiction of the uh, of the of of evil and suffering in the world. And yeah. the Sam Worthington character, Mac Phillips, has to deal with this problem, and because it hurts him personally. And this is where he encounters these three individuals who are the three persons of God: Octavia Spencer playing the father, known as Papa, the great award-winning Academy Award-winning uh, actress from the uh, from I think she was in the. Uh, I can't remember the movie now, but uh, anyway, she the, there's a great characterization there of the different personalities of the Trinity. But when it comes to this issue of now what? What about the bad guy who did this terrible thing? Yeah, nothing. There is like nothing there. There is nothing like there is a justice and someday he will feel it. But now mercy is being offered because when justice comes down, it will be complete for those who haven't received mercy. That's the right message. Yeah. You know, there is a justice, but now is the time for mercy. That's Second uh, Peter chapter 3. You know, God is not slow according to his promise, but long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. So, so I want to I stop, pause here for a second, because sure. this is a big question that a lot of people have, which is, uh, why does God not intervene in situations uh, like what's happening over in the Middle East with Syria and ISIS and, and these sorts of things? Uh, where is God in the midst of that? And the shack, um, you know, is also uh, depicting incredible amounts of suffering right, and pain. And, right. and people all over the world experience this kind of stuff. And so the big question is, is, hey, where's God in all this? Why isn't he stopping it if he's so powerful? Uh, right. how, do you, how do you respond to somebody like that? Well, first of all, I think many of us have good reason to believe that in some cases God does intervene because we can see his hand in response to prayer. Some great evil is, is hovering over us, and after fervent prayer, there is a change of, of, of events, or there is a change of trajectory. Yeah. So I think we can say um, that with, with confidence that God does intervene, but he doesn't always intervene. And so then the, the, uh, the additional question could be asked, well then, why doesn't he always intervene? And then the question is going to be, well, where do you want him to intervene? Mm. It, it's hard to say, well, I want him to intervene to stop ISIS, but at, not at the same time, I want him to intervene to stop whatever evil I am doing to in other people's lives. You see the difference there. We complain about the problem of evil when others are doing evil that influences us, but we do not claim about the problem of, uh, we complain about the problem of evil when it is the evil we are freely choosing that brings us pleasure. Mm. So and what so, would you what would you say to the person that says, okay, um, so so where does God draw the line? So biblically, uh, you, you know, when you're, I don't know if you address this in the in the book, but where does He draw the line between when He decides He should intervene and when He decides He shouldn't? I mean, we have uh, the stories in the Bible frequently, where sure. especially in the Old Testament, where He specifically stops something that's very evil going on. Um, right. Right. Well, um, I do address it in the book. There's a chapter in there called In Between. And, and my, my point in that chapter is I, you, no one can identify where God draws the line. God is drawing that line. He's not telling us the criteria. But what we can see is the big picture. We live in a, a, wor- a broken world, and we broke it. Man broke it. And then God is redeeming it. So we are now in between, right? We can understand why there's this big 
battle going on. There's a spiritual element to it, the battle between the devil and God. This is huge. And we are kind of caught in the middle, all right? We are participants, though, and we are guilty. If God ended the battle today, nobody further would be redeemed, okay? Mm. There's no salvation for anybody. When Lewis puts it, when the author walks on the stage, the play is over. I mean, that's it. Okay, when Jesus returns, he's coming again, and he's mad, okay? And, uh, and he's, he's going to put an end to all evil, but that means all evil people who have not received mercy will be done for. Now, why, so now why you, you, brought up the battle, you brought up the battle between God and Satan. Why, why does he even allow Satan to persist in the first place? Why doesn't he just end him and let us deal with this on our own? Well, um, it, well even if he just ended him and let us deal with it on our own, we wouldn't, this wouldn't solve the problem, because human beings are still doing evil, okay? Yeah. So you, you still have the problem of evil. Um, it, it's not just all Satan, like the devil made me do it. Yeah. <laughs> why, almost every single question one asks regarding, that starts out, why didn't God, or why does God, can't be answered because God, in most of those cases, has not told us why he has or hasn't. So what we do is we kind of, we, 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 we trust him for those things that we don't know and understand. Mm. But I want, this isn't just a blind trust, I want people to see the big picture. Notice what I said, if God were to intervene now, that's the end of it. So there's an extension until the end, when mercy is being fully expressed, so people can be rescued from their own sin, all right? When is that enough going to be enough? Only God knows that. We are now in between, and that's why the title of the chapter. We, it's like a war. You might think of any, any war, Second World War, okay? In this case, we know why we're fighting. We understand that it is going to run its course, and there is a good end to it. Evil is ultimately defeated, okay? But we're in the midst of the battle. And in this case, we know the outcome. We're going to win. God's going to win in the end, but we're still in the midst. So we can see the justification for the big picture in the battle and living with the consequences of a fallen world. But in any battle, Kevin, we, we don't know why a individual soldier took an individual bullet on that particular hill in that particular battlefield. We can't answer that. Yeah, There are casualties that we cannot make sense of, even though we can make sense of the big thing. And that's what the story gives us. It gives us the big picture, so we can be safe, in a sense, in the hands of God, even in the midst of the of the, the conflagration, the conflict. And that's a hard place to be, but God is even using those peculiar things, the particulars of that, to strengthen and build us. And that is a powerful theme in the movie The Shack. That mm-hmm. is very, very strong there. That's great. My guest today is Greg Kokel of Stand to Reason, str.org. I highly recommend you visit his site. Check out his new book, The Story of Reality, How the World Began, How It Ends, and Everything Important That Happens in Between. I also highly recommend his book, Tactics, which is, uh, the, the subtitle is A Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions. It is a fantastic book about building relationships with people and then um, not coming in and hitting them over the head with the Bible, but actually, actually just getting good at asking questions and really caring about people uh, as we um, seek to help people understand the truth of Jesus Christ in the Bible. We're going to be right back and continue this discussion. Yeah, yeah, 
Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to teach you through the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse. One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven? I've never really thought about it, but I've always thought of, you know, doing good. For more information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 7.30 to 5.30, and Saturdays, 7.30 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. Do you have one-button espresso machines in your home or business? They make delicious coffee drinks, but they're not maintenance-free. Express Fix Coffee is San Diego's source for coffee and espresso machine repair, sales, and service. Call Dave Martin at Express Fix Coffee for new and used espresso machines, repairs, parts, and accessories. They'll save you time and money. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. Learn more at ExpressFixCoffee.com. There's got to be more Than going back and forth From doing right to doing wrong Cause we were taught that Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. Uh, if you would like to pick up a recording of this show or any of my previous shows, um, you can go to uh, iTunes and check us out there, Educate for Life. You can visit my website. You can check us out on YouTube. Uh, not too long ago, I actually interviewed Dan Barker, uh, who is the uh, president of the Freedom from Religion Foundation. He's an atheist. So I have a lot of Christians on the show. I have atheists on the show. Also recently an- uh, interviewed uh, Dr. Uh, James Tor, who is one of the top 50 scientists in the world. And he uh, talked about why he does not believe that evolution is scientific. A very, very interesting interview. He is actually a Messianic Jew. Um, I encourage you to check that out. My guest today is Greg Kokel uh, of Stand to Reason. And uh, he is an expert. For 27 years, um, he's had his own radio show, Christianity Worth Thinking About, is um, kind of the slogan. And uh, Greg, you know, I was looking up some stats from uh, Barna, and he's done all these studies. The most recent study in 2016 he came out with, it shows uh, the changes in um, demographics and what's happening in regards to the way that people think about the Bible. Uh, One of the questions was, do you agree or disagree with the following statement? The Bible contains everything a person needs to know to live a meaningful life. And in 2011, there were 53% of people that agreed strongly. By by 2016, it's down to 45%. That's a pretty significant um, decrease in your own ministry, and as you travel speaking, and your your team speaks, and so forth, mm-hmm. um, are these the trends that you're seeing also? Well, it, it's not surprising to me those numbers. I mean, I see those trends generally in culture. As we travel around speaking, we end up speaking to people who hire us. Yeah. You know, so they're generally on our 
on our side, yeah. you know, but um, I think that there is a decreasing confidence in the, the basically the the reliability or the or the significance of the Bible uh, because there has been such a a full court press mm. on on uh, the challenge on, on the Bible. We 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 are getting hit from every direction, whether it's the new atheists or people like Bart Ehrman or Dan Barker that you just mentioned or a whole slew of others like that. Putting out, I think, in many cases, a lot of this information. Mm. Now, um, I think that new atheists cannot be counted on to characterize the Bible properly. Yeah, for one, they definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> every single time, and for two, um, they grab verses, they cherry-pick things they don't like out of the Bible, and then they throw them in your face, you know, about how this mean, awful, homophobic, misogynistic, you know, malevolent bully, as, as Richard uh, uh, Dawkins, Dawkins yeah. characterizes him, you know, and but, they, but they're not understanding those verses in the context in which they're written. Yeah, it drives but me Herman, crazy. I, I had, I had uh, Dan Barker doing that, uh, saying yeah. that that God doesn't really care about uh, helping people in the right. Old Testament. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right, right. Now, Bart Ehrman is different. I think that he has a good grasp of the facts of, uh, of things regarding to the New Testament, but his interpretation on them uh, is entirely different than a whole host of other scholars in, in his field, including his own, his own mentor. Um, now, do you so, think that the issue of um, homosexuality, because it's so pervasive in our culture, and yeah. like your, the book you wrote, um, Relativism... Um, I mean, you were ahead of the curve on that. The stuff we're seeing today is mind mind blowing. Yes, um, yes, I had a friend that was just recently fired from a high school because he wouldn't call a a girl a boy who wanted to be called a boy. Yeah, and yeah. he was like, "I have to deny reality in order to do this." So yeah. Uh, it's it's a weird phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- this is huge. Uh, our recommendation is stand the reason is is just for the sake of peace. Yeah. To call people what they want to be called, you know, generally speaking. And mm-hmm. anyway, the reality in her mind is what we're addressing there, not the reality of her body. But in any event, that's another issue. Yeah. I think what you're saying about the broader issue is huge. Um, there's a n- massive sentiment now that the God of the Bible would never mind whether he exists or not. If he does, he's not good. Hmm. And the reason he's not good is because of what the Bible says about homosexuality. That's one half, and the other half is a lot of these so-called Christians who are trying to uh, twist the Scripture to argue that the Bible actually is in favor of homosexuality when there's not a single verse that speaks favorably of it, and every verse that mentions it speaks uh, ill of homosexuality. Yeah, several denominations have embraced um the homosexual lifestyle as right. as uh, something God accepts. Yeah, well, you know, their lampstand is going out, I'm just telling you. And whenever any individual Christian or any denomination embraces that, you know exactly where they are at with God. Mm-hmm. I mean, read Romans chapter 1, read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul says, do not be deceived that homosexuals, among others, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I don't think we have to be mean to homosexuals, but let's just be clear on God's perspective here. And if you claim to be a Christian and you are saying the opposite thing of what God is saying about this behavior, well, then I don't know how you can possibly say that you are a follower of Jesus of Nazareth. Now, now that, that you know, brings up another point in what you're talking about with the Bible and everything is that, um, you know, some people have said, well, this applies and this doesn't apply. 
And they're like you said, they're kind of cherry picking. Well, they're cher- yeah. cherry picking the other direction. It's what they like, and they they get rid of what they don't like. Right. And to an extent, you're you were saying that's what you saw a little bit in the shack with judgment too, right? Yeah, I, yeah, that that would really bother me, and it could have been easily repaired. It seems to me, but uh, I don't know if that was in the original book. But why is there I, a tendency I, when I in saw our that, boy? I, I was really troubled. I was actually quite moved by the movie up till that point. Yeah, why is there I a wasn't tendency by the depiction of the doc, of the, the Trinity? But that bothered me. Why is there a tendency in our culture to lean away from judgment? Is it because <laughs> you, people don't like to be uh, judgmental? Uh, you know, obviously nobody likes to be a hater, but. No, I think the the reason is the people don't like to be judged. You know, I mean, there's a no duh on that one to me. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that's uh, what's what relativism was all about. Look, I was a relativist before I was a Christian, right? When did you accept the Lord? Pardon me. When did you accept the Lord? In 1973. So I was a relativist before I was a Christian. That is, I did not believe there was ob- objective or absolute morality. I think it was just up to individuals to decide. But then I was against the war in Vietnam because I said then that it was an immoral war. Mm. Well, this is a contradiction. And notice the tendency. I want people to be, to, I want to be a relativist myself regarding moral decisions, but I don't want people to be relativist towards me. The reason people don't like the judgment message is because we're the ones who are under judgment. Uh, criminals don't like jails. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't hang out with police officers. That's right. Or at donut shops. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I mean that. Yeah, it makes sense. And yet the the law and God's judgment is ultimately what brings conviction and ultimately leads us to the need for a savior. And so we, that's exactly the bad news comes before the good news, or else the good news isn't good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, my guest today is Greg Kokel, and um, we're talking about all these issues. Now, um, Greg, the, the book you came out with, The Story of Reality, How the World Began, How It Ends, and Everything Important That Happens in Between, uh, what, was, um, you know, what was the impetus be t- behind r- writing this book? Well, there, there were two things I wanted to accomplish uh, in the book, and, and one of them was I wanted to give a foundational look doctrinally of Christianity. What are the major doctrines that have to be in place for Christianity to be Christian? Christian, and I and and the five words that are, that rep- represent the backbone of the book and of the Christian story. Notice these are the five most critical things that, ha- in the order that they happen, are God, man, Jesus, cross, and resurrection. And here I mean resurrection at the end of the age. Okay, I have some stuff about Jesus' resurrection, but I mean the final resurrection. Mm. So I got the beginning, God, the end, resurrection, and all the important things that happen in between. But I also, when I put this all together, I realized, well, there's a story here. It's not just uh, the systematic theology. Yeah, I always it's thought it. that was interesting, how God doesn't just come out and give us, uh, you know, a, a frequently asked questions list. It's all woven through this story. Uh, we're up on a break here, so I want to, sure. uh, uh, let's pick up on, we have one more segment left. Stay with us. We're going to continue this discussion about the story uh, that God has given us and within it, um, the reality that, that is there. My guest today is Greg Kokel of Stand to Reason, str.org. Uh, please check him out. Uh, he's a fantastic resource. Uh, we'll be right back. Yeah. 
For 36 years, Fastlane Kayaking has helped people like you experience everything that's great about San Diego. Fastlane makes fishing and water sports fun and easy. Hobie Cat kayaks feature a popular pedal system, not paddles, keeping your hands free as you fish. You no longer need to tow and gas up a boat to experience great San Diego fishing. Call or come in for your no-charge demo ride. 619-222-0766. Fastlanesailing.com. At Dana Landing Marine. Across from SeaWorld, 619-222-0766. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Hi, I'm Marissa Conover, and I would love to help you buy or sell your home. I've worked as a realtor for more than 13 years, and as a San Diego native, my passion and experience will help make your move as peaceful as can be. Call me at 619-251-1577. That's 619-251-1577. Or visit conoverhomes.com. I will cast my cares on you You're the anchor of my hope The only one who's in control I will cast my cares Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. My guest today is Greg Kokel, uh, str.org. He is the founder and president of Stand a Reason, uh, which is all about thinking through what you believe. And uh, his most recent book, The Story of Reality, How the World Began, How It Ends, Everything Important That Happens in Between, uh, you can purchase it on his website or uh, all over the place, right? So, uh, Greg, so again, um, what was it you were trying to achieve, you were saying uh, there from our last segment? Yeah, I wanted first with The Story of Reality to capture the most foundational notions of Christianity, the critical essential elements that without which, sine qua non, there would be no Christianity, okay? It would be some other religion if you removed any of these elements. And I mentioned five words. That is, truths regarding God, man, Jesus, cross, resurrection. But I also noted there's a story here. You know, in the, in the beginning, God yeah. creates man to be in friendship with him. Man gets himself into a heap of trouble, so God initiates a rescue operation in Jesus. Jesus does something on a cross that determines where everyone will, will uh, uh, what will happen to everybody at the final resurrection. Mm. And there's our whole story. And so I, want, I, so I wanted to develop the story motif and do it in a storytelling way, but I also wanted to really continue to hammer home the point that this story doesn't start once upon a time. This is not our make-believe-to-make-me-feel-happy kind of story, yeah. all right? It, it doesn't mean to be telling a fairy tale. I wanted the reader to understand that the things the story describes actually exist in reality, and the events in the story really happen, or in some places are yet to happen. Mm-hmm. It's an accounting of the way the world 
actually is. So I am pushing back against the tendency of our culture in general, and also Christians, to relativize religion, mm. uh, release, re- reducing it to your truth versus my truth versus their truth. That's the end of it. You know, that's all they can say about it. But as I see in the book, if the story is not accurate to reality, it's not any kind of truth at all. Yeah. So, so it can never be my truth or your truth, even though we may believe it. It can only be our delusion or maybe our mistake or our error, but it can never be our truth. What, what, I, what, what do you say to the person who says, no, 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 Greg, you don't understand. It's just a big parable um, it, about how to live a good life. Uh, you know, I've heard many um, Jews today are actually atheistic and uh, or agnostic, and they, they view the book Bible as a self-help book. How do you, how do you respond yeah. to that? Well, okay, now this is—think about what's being said. This is a characterization of what kind of book it is, all right? How do you find out what kind of book any kind of book is? You look at the book and see its characteristics, okay? Um, C.S. Lewis writes fables. He writes myth. That's his job. He's an expert in it. And C.S. Lewis, among many others, say, I know myth, I know fables, I know the genre. This isn't that genre. And when it comes to the issue of history, historians know how history works and how it reads. And historians take the, new, the, the scriptures as history. Now, they, they, they think that there are mythic elements that may have been worked in there, and so they try to se- separate the myth from the history, whether it's the history of the Jews, or more specifically and more recently, the history in the New Testament, the life of Jesus. Mm. But there is not hardly a certified historian on the planet that dismisses Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as mythology, um, but rather see it, they see it as primary source historical documents that have some fanciful stuff worked in. So if somebody says, oh, this is just a big parable, they are not, they are not reading the book as the kind of book that it presents itself to be, or that experts in the field understand it to be. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's uh, very interesting. So I, I have a question. We have only a few minutes left here, right. but um, why didn't, and uh, I don't know. Well, anyway, why didn't God start bring Jesus into the picture earlier? So, you know, we have all this stuff happening with Israel. We have all these problems that they go through. We have all these, uh, we have the, the, the flood where, uh, you know, sure. the, the earth is filled with violence. And um, what would you say to somebody who said, hey, he, he could have brought him in, you know, like a thousand years earlier or something? He could what, have brought him in a thousand years earlier or a thousand years later. Yeah. Uh, keep in mind, no matter when Jesus comes into the story— no matter when it is, you can always ask that question. This is a matter of timing that, that only God is in a position to know what timing is best, mm. okay? So, uh, so one, one might argue, and actually this point has been made, that when God says that he came in the fullness of time, we, I think this is in the book of Acts, just at the right moment that, that, that uh, Christ died for sinners, um, then there, what was going on historically that might have been uh, advantageous to the spread of the message? Well, you've got um, Israel right there in the center of the known world at that time. You have uh, Pax Romana. You have peace in the whole Western world. You have a language that is a lingua franca, and that is Greek. Mm. And so you've got uh, you, you've got Israel at the crossroads of the world, and so people are going in and out, etc. One could argue 
and have and have argued that there were all kinds of things that were fitting together just right for this particular event, the sacrifice of Jesus, to be made. Uh, later on in life, who knows? You know, you certainly it couldn't be done now. Yes, you have more communication, but nobody's going to get crucified, yeah. <laughs> brutalized for that kind of reason. Yeah. Um, and so there were, who knows all that was in the mind of God. He had to choose some time, and at any time he chose, someone could have said, why not sooner, why not later? I don't know. I trust that God did it, as he said, in the fullness of time. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. So um, I heard that, um, I don't know if, if if this is true or not, but I heard that uh, uh, Trump got saved recently, um, you know, it, it, during the election. I don't know if that was politically uh, convenient or if that's uh, real. <laughs> I don't but... <laughs> know. I don't care in a certain sense. You know, some people say, is he really pro-life or is he just playing po- politics here, you know? Um all I care is that he acts pro-life for eight years. Yeah, that's, that's all right. I care about. You know, <laughs> so is this, I don't know what's in his heart. Is, you is know, this, this uh, might have been the case? And and I, you know, actions speak louder than words. I always take these kinds of things with a grain of salt. I'm not going to be negative. I'm not going to be positive. I'm just going to watch. Yeah, it yeah. matters not at all to me what his beliefs are. It matter. It matters what his actions are as president. That's what's most critical. to Well, me. if he is a new believer, uh, is this the kind of book that he should be reading? Who Who is the audience uh, that? you met this book for are you talking about my book yeah your book well i would love it if donald trump read it it's it's uh, this audience <laughs> a lot of authors would love to say my book is for everybody yeah that wasn't true about tactics which you mentioned earlier or relativism but i'm saying this book yes it's for older christians who don't have the big picture it is for younger christians who need the big picture a foundation it is for older christians who want to tr- teach the big picture to their people, either their 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 disciples or their Bible study groups or youth groups, or to their to their congregations, and it is for non Christians. I'm telling you, um, Kevin, any Christian can take this book to any non Christian and hand it to them without embarrassment, because it is not condescending, it is not patronizing, it is not over overly triumphant. It is it it does it's not thick with religious language. I'm not, that's not my style. Mm. It is a straightforward characterization of the story of reality, the biblical story, in a way that people can understand. Uh, my guide for this was mere Christianity, and I I don't want to make comparisons of myself with Lewis. I mean, nobody can be like Lewis. Okay? <laughs> but I was trying to take my 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 cues from his style and his organization yeah. and his chapter length. It, when you get the book, you will see. Go to go to Amazon and just look at the reviews. I got eighty five reviews. I got four of them that are not five stars. Okay, and uh, I got two fours, one three, and one one. I don't know. You always got an outlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, but um, just see what people are saying. Yeah. I think that non Christians are going to find this book to be the clearest characterization of the Christian worldview that they'll be able to read. Yeah, I I don't doubt it at all. Greg, it's been a real honor having you on the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure, Cap. Thank you. Fantastic. Uh, Pick up his book. It is a fantastic book, The Story of Reality, str.org. You can pick it up on Amazon. And uh, he, uh, from what I know of Greg and from the books I've read that he's written, um, it's very down-to-earth, and it answers a lot of the questions that people struggle with. Um, They're in there along the way as you begin to learn about Uh, the truth of the Bible and Jesus Christ and Christianity and God. Okay, we're going to be back next week. I hope you'll join us. I hope you have a fantastic Saturday. God bless you, and uh, we will will, uh, tune in with you next time. Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry, we're committed to helping you get the info you need. 
Okay, that was dumb, but for real. Visit educateforlife.com for podcasts and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800-243-9719 or email kevcon at educateforlife.com. That's K-E-V-C-O-N at educateforlife.com. You will always be much more to me Every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right But that's alright